millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, Tonga Rugby says it is being starved of top-level test matches. We preview the Oceania Champions League semi-finals and check in on Samoa's preparations for the Pacific Rugby League Test. But first, Benji Marshall is on the hunt for an NRL team after pulling the plug on his ill-fated stint in rugby after less than three months. The Blues and New Zealand Rugby have both confirmed they've received a request from Marshall to be released early from his contract, and Marshall has asked his manager to open talks with NRL clubs. The former Kiwis rugby league skipper has played just 212 minutes for the Blues this season since his move from the Tigers last year. Brad Walter from the Sydney Morning Herald spoke with Marshall and told Guy and Espiner the move simply didn't work out. There's been a lack of opportunity that was able to be afforded to him by the Blues and he just needed time to adapt to rugby. Uh, he's going to need, need longer if he's going to make a success of it. And you know, he's 29 years of age and I think rather than spend a season or the rest of this, this season in uh, playing club rugby and learning rugby and then trying to make him go over it again next season, but um, he'd be better off to um, make a decision now and go back to rugby league. Is this seen as a sound move or was this a, a big surprise? As you say, most converts do take a little time to, to settle, but I mean, he, he'd barely been there five minutes. The catch-22 situation is that for him to improve as a player, he needed to be on the field. The Blues are struggling for form and he's, um, you know, he's an untried player who's learning the game. And they couldn't really afford to put him on there, especially in the position that he was playing, which is, um, you know, first 5'8", it's a key position on the field and it's probably one of the harder ones to adapt to. So it, it's just, yeah, it was just a matter of they were in a position where they couldn't really give him the opportunity to learn the game, you know, while he was playing it at the highest level. And he needed that time. And so it just it just didn't work out. And I oh, look, I've spoken to Benji and he was very philosophical and open and honest about about the move and how it just hadn't hadn't worked out the way that both he and Sir John Kerwin at the Blues had hoped it would and just said, well, that's life and these things happen and you've got to make a decision. And, um, you know, it's, they all agreed that it was best for him to go back to the NRL. So who's going to pick him up? This only occurred on Sunday. This decision was made on Sunday. Where his manager's been in discussions with the Blues and, and the NZRU about a release which um, is going to be approved yet. Uh, so there, have, there haven't been any discussions with any NRL, NRL clubs. It wasn't instigated by any NRL club or an offer by an NRL club. In fact, um, Benji told me that he, despite speculation, despite talk about him being frustrated about game time, he, he was happy to bide his time in rugby and he knew that he, he needed to learn the game and it was going to take time. Uh, and he never considered it a move until a conversation he had with, um, with John Kerwin on Sunday afternoon. So... Um, at this stage, it's unknown where he would go. What I think there would be, you know, a number of clubs that would be interested in a player of his calibre, a quality playmaker. Um, you know, and he's one of the biggest names in, in the NRL until he left at the end of last season, the West Tigers. Um, I doubt he'd be going back to the West Tigers, but I think you could look at clubs like Cronulla, St George Illawarra, Melbourne, the uh, Brisbane Broncos. Um, they're all 
clubs that are, you would think are in need of a playmaker of, of Benji Marshall's um, quality and calibre. I think it's a matter of sit back, uh, wait and see. Obviously, his, his manager's going to speak to the 16 clubs, and I think you'll find that most of them will have varying degrees of interest in uh, Benji Marshall. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the right price anyone would, every club would want him. Canterbury is another option, and they've certainly got money to spend. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who, who knows? But I've, I've got no doubt that, um, you know, he will have a number of offers to consider. That's Brad Walter speaking with Guy and Espiner. The Tonga Rugby Union says it is being starved of top-level test matches, which has forced it to go out and arrange its own internationals. The Ikaletahi will play a test against a Pacific Barbarians team in Auckland in June in an effort to fill a shortfall in the international calendar leading into next year's World Cup. The president and chair of the Tonga Rugby Union, Epi Taioni, says they only have two Pacific Nations Cup tests in the June window and just eight matches in total scheduled before next year's global showpiece. He says Tonga deserves more matches against Tier 1 countries, but the International Rugby Board isn't coming to the party. It is quite hard to get Tier 1 tests, especially four years in advance. I'll be have, um, have nominated those tests and allocated who's playing who, and, and unfortunately for Tier 2 nation like Tonga, we were always on the... Uh, I always have the uh, short end of the stick. It is quite unfortunate, but we, we, we can't dwell on that. We just have to move on and, and, and work something out. And, and uh, that's why the initiative of, of getting an extra game, uh, hence why the Pacific Barbarians come to mind to play the important uh, role and make sure that Tonga have a competitive game. Uh, as we count down to the uh, Rugby World Cup, um, and I'm glad that the initiative is coming together and, uh, and hopefully it will be a good turnout and... Uh, Good day out for all Tongan fans uh, based in New Zealand. So was this an initiative started by the Tonga Rugby Union? Yeah, yeah. the problem with something like that is obviously putting the barbarians together and the cost that come up um, with it is it's in um, you know quarter of a million to half a million uh, dollars to put it together. You know the logistic of getting the teams from around the world, the uh, coaching staff, the hotel, the travels, the insurance. Uh, it, it is quite costly. Uh, but like I said, it is a, a huge, um, huge uh, task for the union and its commercial partners to, to, to come up with that. And at the moment, it's, um, it's looking good. We just want to make sure that, um, you know, it will be come 22nd of, of June this year. It will be, uh, uh, hopefully, it will be a huge successful day out for Tonga um, and its fans. But the main important thing here is, is get a decent um, hit out in uh, as we count up to the Rugby World Cup. We have about... Um, Seven, six, seven games for the Rugby World Cup, and uh, out of those um, seven games, there's only a t- one tier one test in there. That's in comparison to a New Zealand or Australia, about 15 games before the Rugby World Cup kick off, and uh, all of them are tier one tests. You know, the comparison is, is, is quite to our disadvantage, and that's um, something that we really need to, um, to focus on and to make sure that we have the best uh, preparation uh, before the Rugby World Cup. and. Uh, Hence why the uh, initiative was taken up. And uh, like I said, I hope it will be the, the priority out of, of, of getting a barbarous team together is to have a, a competitive game for, for, for Tonga. It's an international window. So firstly, will there be a full-strength Ikaletahi team? And secondly, what sort of players can we expect in the uh, Pacific Barbarians? Our PNC, Kyun Tour, we started with a Reg 9 camp here in Tonga. And... I think it's a good chance for the team to uh, to back here in Tonga and possibly the last time they set foot in Tonga before the Rugby World Cup. Uh, as you may be well aware that the team, majority of the team are, um, are based overseas and they all play overseas and 
having that here in June will be a huge um, thing for, for, for all our, our fans here locally here in Tonga, and I think hence why we trying to organize that. Uh, with regards to the barbarians, uh, like any barbarian side, it's going to be, we're going to try to put the strongest as we possibly can. Uh, like I said, the priority of this game is to make sure that the, uh, we have a decent opposition and I'm expecting the core of this team to be ex-All Blacks or ex-Wallabies, uh, European-based players show up on this day. I think it's a, it's a good chance, first of all, is for Tonga to play a, a top international game as well for those, some of those players to return back to New Zealand and, and, and play on that level again. Tonga have had a couple of uh, Tier 1 games uh, in the last couple of years in terms of on that European tour, and as you've said, your ranking is hovering around that sort of uh, top 10 sort of uh, cusp, I guess, if you will. Um, do you sense that if you do get another couple of decent wins or if you have a strong World Cup next year, do you, do you sense that more will come, or does it always just seem like you guys are, are, are fighting uphill for that sort of stuff? We're swimming against tide on that. And like I said, unfortunately, IRB have to say on that. And in advance, four years, they provided all the, the tests and, and, and um, nominated who's playing who. And as a tier two nation, we were just plugging holes. Um, uh, they need to find a solution. It's something that in the last two decades they've been trying to organize. Unfortunately, we still haven't found the right note to, to, to give everyone um, every chance. Uh, I just feel we are basically getting starved in the wilderness on our own. And I think Samoa and Fiji feel the same about uh, the approach. Um, we, can, we can talk as much as we want about it uh, until the, uh, the people who, who run the game do something about it. I, I cannot see ourselves um, in the next few years tear one test or, or, or get the luxury we deserve. That's the chair of the Tonga Rugby Union, Apali Taioni. Meanwhile, the Tonga under-20s team missed out on promotion to the Elite Junior World Championships at the weekend. They were beaten 35-10 by Japan in the final of the Junior World Rugby Trophy. Oceania Champions League holders Auckland City say they've taken plenty of lessons from last week's group stage tournament in Fiji, where they managed to just squeak into the semi-finals. The New Zealand domestic winners won their first two group matches before a shock loss to Vanuatu club Amakal FC. Amakal, Fijian champions Mba and Pire from Tahiti have all advanced to the last four as respective group winners, while Auckland go through as the best-placed runner-up. They host Pire in their first semi-final league this Saturday, and head coach Ramon Jabulic says the squad's had plenty to take on board over the past week and a half. We'll learn that any time we have to play three games up in the islands, you know, it's going to be very tough. Physically and mentally, I would say, I, would, I wouldn't be able to say what was more difficult, you know, and I think that... Probably mentally, we, we sort of crumbled in that last game, a game that we completely dominated, but we didn't really manage to to score the goal to go in front, and that probably, you know, cost us it in the end. We got a bit frustrated, and uh, we considered a goal in the last uh, last few minutes, you know. So, as we knew, the uh, the task was going to be very difficult, uh, but, you know, you know they did uh, well enough to... To deserve to make it through to the semi-finals, and obviously now it's going to be a different, uh, different sort of competition and different story. Well, of course, everyone was in a, a similar situation. Do you, do you think a number of those results were influenced by that situation, if you will? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it is obviously the uh, the island boys are, are used to it. You know, most of those teams train full time in that same environment. You know, so it, it's not new to them. It is new to us. You know, to try to be full time uh, and playing uh, three games uh, within nine days and uh, 30 degrees uh, and, and, and a diff- sort of a different uh, surface, you know, the, the surface is, is different to what we used to here in New Zealand. 
and also, you know, that doesn't really help uh, the way we want to play. You know, we we are a team based in position, and if the field is not uh, according or it's not uh, in the best conditions, obviously it doesn't help our style of football. You know, so I think we've learned a few things. But look, we're in the semi-finals now, and and now it's going to be different. Obviously, we're playing a a game at home and a game away, and uh, it's going to be a, a different story. Is it easy to just bank that and move on now that, as you say, you have made it through to the semi-finals and just sort of set, you know, set that reset button? Yeah, in some respects, we're gonna we're gonna push that reset button, you know, but we still have to learn uh, the things that happened, you know, because there were a few things in there. As I said, probably more it was more concentration than anything else, you know. But there were a, a few tactical uh, little things in there that we we need to talk about, you know. There's always something to learn, and and again, I don't want to I don't want to put everything on the uh, concentration or lapse of concentration thing you know again there's other things in there and uh so we will learn these things but obviously we will push that reset button as well and and make sure that now we prepare as well as possible for this uh saturday very impressive uh in that group phase uh p ray um what do you what are you uh, expecting from them what did you ma- manage to see much of them over there and uh i guess it's all on youtube and everywhere as well so you've had the chance to look at everything and, and what do you make of them obviously all the tiki tower players and a lot of experience that they do have in their lineup yeah, I've seen quite a lot now of them. I've got a, a pretty good idea of what they're like. You know, I think I think they're a very aggressive team. You know, out of position, they they look to regain very high and they they go very narrow on the ball. Uh, so that's got advantages. You know, obviously, if we if we don't read what we have to do with the ball uh, and we lose it in and 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 in our own half, you know, we're gonna we're gonna be in danger because they have the ability to score from those situations. They play very quick counter attacks, one or two passes, uh, and they, you know, they they find people uh, running in behind. You know, so they do that really well. And also, they have the ability of uh, uh, those two players, Raimana Lifunqui, who uh, who played for Dragon last year, and obviously Vairoa, you know, who is the most experienced player. He's played in the French uh, top flyer for a long time. You know, so these two players can make things happen as well uh, for themselves. So we're aware of that, but you know, that playing that way, uh, we know that we can uh, capitalise on other in other situations. You know, we know that the, situ- the situations that we need to create on the field with our game to take advantage of it. You know, that's for sure. And this is this is what we're going to try to do. You know, we're going to have to be very safe in our own half and read how we have to play that ball to make sure that we uh, we use the spaces that they're going to give us them behind because at the end of the day obviously if they're trying to regain position very high on the pitch and they, they're going to give us a space right in behind the back four. That's the Auckland City football coach Ramon Tribulic and bar host Emekal in the other first leg tie on Sunday. Pacific Island Rugby League is in the spotlight again leading up to next weekend's test between Fiji and Samoa in Sydney where the winner will earn a spot in the end of year Four Nations tournament. Toa Samoa made the quarterfinals of last year's World Cup for the first time before being knocked out by the Bati. The two will square off in the second annual Pacific Test next weekend following Tonga's triumph against Samoa last year. Toa Samoa football operations manager Nigel Wangana says there's a real feeling of momentum about rugby league in the islands at the moment. You know, the World Cup was great for it, uh, but I think what you do between the World Cup is um, a testament to sort of how good the World Cup is over the last few years. There's been a lot of emerging nations that are getting stronger and stronger. Penrith have uh, been going really well the last couple of years since Ivan's taken over and, and his um, assistant out there, Dave Fairley, is the Cook Islands coach. You know? So you're getting good calibre people and coaching and, and I guess administrators behind the scenes now. Uh, the game's starting to flourish and it's great to see um, 
I mean, even the PNG team have a, have a team in the in the Queensland Cup competition, so they're playing week in week out against the the second tier semi-professional guys here in Australia. So it's uh, it's great for development of the, the game throughout the Pacific and strengthening the the test teams as well. Pretty much all of the major Pacific countries, uh, their head coaches are involved in the NRL in some capacity. Quite often as an assistant coach, uh, you guys had Matt Parrish at the World Cup, and now he's still in charge for this test next week. Yeah, so Matty's still in charge. Matty's an assistant coach now at Canberra with uh, Ricky Stewart, and he's also been assistant with uh, Laurie Daly in the Origin for the last few years. So, um, so he comes well, well credentialed, and, and great for us to have someone of his caliber guiding us around and, and um, taking us to the next level. And I, I know, obviously, his appointment ultimately for the World Cup was slightly late notice with that late change there. But now he's been with the boys for a couple of months at the World Cup, or just over a month. But he's, you know, got a good, a good handle now on the current squad. And is that going to help going into this match? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, and he was, like you said, he was thrown in late um, last year, and, and with um, Steve Price stepping down to focus on the Dragons. I guess as a head coach and as a first grade coach, you know, that's your priority. And you can see how well the Dragons are going this year. You know, so it's obviously uh, paid dividends for them, and, and it's great for Steve as well. But to have Matty step in and take over at late notice and then go away with the guys at the World Cup, it gave him a real understanding of not just um, the players that were available, but also the culture of these teams and, and the culture of the Pacific. And he came back um, saying he'd never, he'd never danced and he'd never sung so much in his life. And it was uh, a side of rugby league that he hadn't experienced in the 20 years that he'd been involved in the game. So, so it's a great eye-opener for, for maybe some of these other nations that don't get a chance to associate as, as close with Pacific um, culture. Can we expect, Nigel, many changes, do you think, to the squads? Obviously, at the World Cup, you get a lot of high-profile players uh, wanting to be involved in that tournament. Uh, and after a tournament, you get all that eligibility stuff reset in terms of in-between World Cup years, and you have retirements and all that as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Can we expect some uh, new faces, do you think? Yeah, I think there will be some new faces. Um, we've, we've, because it's a, a mid-year test, uh, we generally aren't able to bring down the players who play in the Super League. Uh, and largely because of the travel uh, restrictions where they have to play on the weekend for their club team. If they jump on a plane Sunday night or Monday morning in the UK, um, they won't get down here till late Tuesday or even Wednesday, and then they're jet-lagged for a couple of days and then expected to play a test match on the weekend. And it's quite a, uh, lot of, quite a lot of tower players over there, especially at, uh, yeah. at Salford, isn't it? I think they've got quite a few. Yeah, there is, and, and, and we had a couple go over at the end of the year. I mean, the Kiwis go through it all the time with the Anzac test as well, so not being not being able to sort of uh, bring back players purely because of logistics and, and jet lag. But uh, for us, so I, you know, Tony Pulitu is still over there, Junior Sale's gone over there, uh, Harrison Hansen, Sia Soliola. You know, we've got a lot of senior players that are over there playing. Jeff Lima's over there now, Roy Asatasi's over there now, so we've got a whole heap of guys um that are, I guess, ineligible because they're playing over there. So we're going to have to blood some some new talent. But I guess it's exciting for those guys. And and this time last year, uh, Marty Tapel, you know, made his debut. And, and you know, in the last 12 months at the Tigers, he's really um, shone through. So uh, it's great to be able to give these young guys an opportunity and, and help their development as well. And so we can expect some young guys. I, I guess the uh, the rewards are very high, though, because a lot of those uh, senior guys could be involved later in the year if you do make it to the uh, Four Nations tournament. How, how important is winning this test and, and qualifying for that, which is a real elite tournament? Oh, it'll be it'll be fantastic for the sport in the region, um, you know, in the islands, and, and I guess a testament to the uh, to the calibre of players that they that they get an opportunity. I think even now before the game. Uh, you know, both the, the Fijian and the Samoan squads are going to put together some pretty, pretty strong teams, 
and to be able to sort of have that game as a playoff to to play against the best three teams in the world is a testament. I think that the game's understanding the the depth and the quality that's coming out of the Pacific. Um, you look at all the the wingers in the NRL. How <laughs> it seems like you know half of them are Fiji and half of them are Samoan. <laughs> so um, so there's a lot of uh, excitement out there as well, and and I think this game is um, going to epitomise that. That's Nigel Vaganar from the Tawat Samoa squad. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.